Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast with the headlines of the day from our correspondents around the world. I'm Do Hongyu. Coming up in this edition, hospitals in Gaza are shutting down due to Israeli attacks on the Palestinian enclave. Chinese President Xi Jinping will join world leaders at this week's APEC meetings in San Francisco. And a joint investigation by U.S. and German media accuses a former Ukrainian officer on orchestrating the Nord Stream attack last year. We start from the Middle East. The World Health Organization says the largest hospital in Gaza has ceased to function amid Israeli attacks on the Palestinian enclave. Israeli forces have besieged the Al-Shifa hospital in the north of the Strip. More such facilities are going offline because of a lack of power and critical supplies. Meanwhile, Israel is accusing Hamas of refusing its offers to provide fuel for Al-Shifa and evacuate newborn babies there. Hamas has denied those allegations and said the group is not associated with management at the hospital. Associated Press correspondent Sam Metnick has more. Fighting continued on Sunday in the city of Gaza, and it was centered around the Al-Shifa hospital. This is where Israel says Hamas has a command and control center. Hamas does deny this. The officials at the hospital say there are about 20,000 people right now, as well as 1,500 patients trapped inside the hospital amid dwindling supplies and ongoing gunfire. I spoke to a nurse who works with the aid group Doctors Without Borders. He was in the Al-Shifa hospital on Saturday. He called the situation horrific. The hospital has said that there's been no fuel since Saturday, and that has resulted in the death of at least seven people, including three premature babies. And Israel is continuing to abide by these humanitarian pauses where people can go from the north of Gaza to the south However, Palestinians who have taken the route have said that they are being harassed on the way by Israeli soldiers and that they are continuing to be hit even once they reach the south of Gaza. On Sunday, 13 people were killed in the city of Khan Yunis when a building was struck and dozens were injured. In a little bit of more positive news, the Rafah border crossing with Egypt did reopen after days of being closed and foreign nationals were able to leave again. That was Sam Metnick with the Associated Press. Move on to North America. Chinese President Xi Jinping will meet with his U.S. counterpart Joe Biden in San Francisco this week. He will also join world leaders in the 2023 APEC meetings. Hendrik Sibrandi runs us through some of the agenda for China and the U.S., as well as the APEC talks. There are basically uh, two parallel events going on, obviously APEC itself, but then also the U.S.-China meeting, the big meeting scheduled for the middle of the week between U.S. President Joe Biden and Chinese President Xi Jinping. They haven't met in person for a year now since their meeting in Bali last fall. Uh, Lots of issues on the agenda. We can uh, predict what uh, some uh, some of those agenda items are. Certainly climate change, always a top issue. Uh, economic related issues, certainly the uh, export restrictions the U.S. has put on technology to China. That's a major bone of contention. Uh, issues like fentanyl. Also, uh, the issue of military to military contact. Artificial intelligence is another big issue, along with nuclear nonproliferation. Security is tight in the city, and it's only expected to get tighter here in the days to come. The uh, commitments that are made at these meetings, which occur every year, multiple meetings per year, actually, these commitments are purely voluntary, but it's a way to kind of uh, 
smooth economic cooperation around the world in the Asian Pacific region, uh, enhance supply chains, just make trade and economic cooperation easier, if at all possible. Uh, the theme of this week is creating economic opportunity, and they've identified four key pillars that they're going to be focusing on, sustainability, inclusion, resilience, as well as innovation. That was Hendrik Zibrandi. San Francisco is home to the largest Chinatown in North America. The Chinese community in the city is preparing to welcome President Xi Jinping. Businesses have high expectations about the meeting between the leaders of China and the United States. Zhao Yunfei spoke with some of them. Performance and crowds, long awaited in Chinatown. The tourist neighborhood in San Francisco is counting on the upcoming APEC to draw the world's attention. Well, I can't wait. And I can't wait uh, for President Xi to come over and collaborate and congratulate and give support to the local Chinese American. Kevin Chen says fortune cookies send out love and care. And it's just like diplomatic ties. China and the United States need to communicate. It's very positive for both. both uh, countries to sit down and talk talk it out and then understand each other instead of guessing because guessing is very dangerous. San Francisco has the largest Chinatown in North America. For more than a century, the thriving community has been demonstrating the long-lasting ties between China and the United States. One is all. The faith of this old community is tightly bound to how China and the U.S. get along. Ding Li, the president of a local association, says early generations of Chinese immigrants were afraid of leaving the community due to discrimination. Things been changed rapidly since uh, we have a good relationship since uh, 1970, and Chinese uh, with American got a normal diplomatic relations, so people got more open. And that has brought more personal exchanges. The state of California says it's home to around a third of the Chinese immigrant population in the United States, and a significant number of local residents can trace their roots to China. Chinese American, we just uh, in the middle. We try to our homeland get strong and confidence, and we try to United States got a good relationship with China, and then it's a both win case. Chinatown has become a spotlight, as the leaders of the world's two largest economies are due to meet, with strong hopes for positive outcomes from the talks. That was Zhao Yunfei on the significance of the meeting between the Chinese and U.S. presidents. In Europe, a joint investigation by U.S. and German media has alleged that a former Ukrainian special forces officer played a key role in the Nord Stream pipeline attack last year. The attack cut off a major conduit that transports Russian gas to Europe. Megumi Lim reports from Kiev. According to officials in Ukraine and Europe, as well as other people knowledgeable about the covert operation cited in the newspaper's report, Roman Travinsky, a decorated colonel who served in Ukraine's special operations forces, was the coordinator of the Nord Stream attack last September. According to people familiar with Travinsky's role in the operation, he didn't plan the attack but managed logistics supporting a six-person team that rented a sailboat under false identities. They allegedly used deep-sea diving equipment meant to plant explosive charges on the pipelines. Travinsky has denied any involvement, saying in a written statement that all speculations about his involvement were being spread by Russian propaganda. 
He's currently being held in pre-trial detention on charges involving a different incident. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has repeatedly denied his country was involved, but according to people familiar with the operation, the Nord Stream attack was designed to keep Zelensky out of the loop. Countries like Germany, Denmark and Sweden have been carrying out investigations into the Nord Stream explosions, and so far no one has claimed responsibility for the attack. That was Megumi Lim in Kiev. Finally, in Africa, heavy rains have triggered flash flooding in Somalia, leaving more than 30 people dead. Half a million people are displaced and struggling to find shelter. Damaged and insufficient transportation networks are making it difficult for relief to reach the affected areas. Mohamed Kahia reports from Mogadishu. Amina Addo was displaced by flash floods twice this year from her home in the agricultural town in central Somalia. She now resides in an IDP camp for internally displaced persons, or IDPs outside Bledwain. Life, she says, is not easy, and just maintaining her dignity in such a tough conditions is a challenge. I was living in an IDP camp in Bledwain when flood waters swept away our shelters. We relocated to higher ground here. We don't have proper shelter, no food and even water as well as latrines. We call upon the Somali government and its partners to provide urgent assistance. The situation is no different for her neighbor. Hussein Ali says the weather is very changeable with temperatures extremes and there are constant struggles with public health and sanitation. We have been here for about 10 days with no water and latrines. It's very hot during the day and very cold and rainy during the night, so we request help from non-governmental organizations. Despite efforts by the Somali government, several towns are still underwater, and there seems no hope for the rains ending in the immediate town. However, the humanitarian mission continues, despite frustrating logistical problems. The National Disaster Management Agency, in coordination with UN agencies, has dispatched rescue boats to look, which is one of the most affected areas. We are also planning to provide food, medicine, as well as mosquito nets. But delivering the supplies via road transport is becoming a challenge because of the heavy rains. Somalia is not the only country in the region being affected by this global weather phenomenon known as El Nino. Kenya and Ethiopia have also reported deaths and displacements due to heavy rains and flooding. The UN says it will provide 25 million US dollars to jumpstart life-saving assistance for those affected. Somalia is considered one of the most vulnerable countries to El Nino and climate change. For example, just a few months ago, the country was crying out for rain as the drought brought huge environmental challenges and food security issues. Now, millions of acres of what was patched land is underwater, crippling regional economies, which rely so much on agriculture. That was Mohamed Kahir on the effects of climate change in Somalia. A UN mission in Sudan says about 25 million people, or over half of the population, are in need of humanitarian assistance and protection. It comes as the conflict between the armed forces and the paramilitary rapid support forces continues to spread and intensify. Joey Kirukichuma has more. 
The conflict in Sudan, which erupted on April 15 between the army and the rapid support forces, continues to rage. The UN says over 9,000 people have been killed, while more than 6 million people have been displaced, either inside Sudan or in neighboring countries. With so many in need of aid, the UN humanitarian coordinator in the country says the situation is growing bleaker by the day and has called on the international community to understand the scale of the problem there. The world is beset by crises, many that garner much more attention than the crisis in Sudan for a multitude of factors, but not because of the scale of the crisis or the depth of misery. In this regard, the Sudan crisis has few equals. Speaking to journalists in New York, however, the humanitarian coordinator expressed optimism that the statement of commitments adopted in Jeddah by the warring parties marked a moment of truth for Sudan. We owe it to the people of Sudan to ensure that the promises made by the Sudanese armed forces and the rapid support forces to protect civilians and provide unimpeded humanitarian access are kept. Mkweta Salami also pleaded with the parties of the conflict to abide by their obligations under international human rights and humanitarian law. This is not optional. These attacks should cease and those responsible held accountable. The United Nations Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs says at least 85,800 people have fled Sudan over the past one month alone seeking safety and protection in neighboring countries. That was Joy Kirukijuma reporting. Before we go, here's a recap of today's top stories. Hospitals in Gaza are shutting down due to Israeli attacks on the Palestinian enclave. Chinese President Xi Jinping will join world leaders at this week's APEC meetings in San Francisco. And a joint investigation by U.S. and German media has accused a former Ukrainian officer on orchestrating the Nord Stream attack last year. That's it for this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Do Hongyu. Thank you for listening.